Well, good morning. How is everybody? I would say you look great this morning, but I can't really see too much. Um, but it is good to see you guys here this morning. My name is Harley Rathel. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, I want to start out today um, not by jumping straight into our sermon, um, but just give you a couple of quick thoughts, which I guess people get a little nervous when a pastor says that because you're like, oh, this is the sermon before the sermon. Um, I promise I'll keep it brief, but most of you, I think, realize that we are at a pretty interesting junction right now in that we are two weeks away from officially launching. Now, that doesn't mean if you're new here and this is your first week, you're not welcome here. You are absolutely welcome here. We're just ramping up to our official launch into uh, being a church and being here in this community on September 25th. And so because of that, I want to just take a little pause and give you a couple of updates for us as a campus. So I'm going to keep it to four things, okay? The first thing that I'd like to just uh, put across um, and, and put onto your radar is making space, okay? So when I say making space, really what I'm talking about is the fact that in a couple of weeks when we do launch, we have no idea, I mean really no idea how many people are going to be here. Um, it could be a handful more, it could be a lot more, we don't know. And because of that, what we're going to do is try to make space to make sure that we have room for everybody to come along that wants to come along. And so we're going to add an 8.45 a.m. service. We're going to have 8.45 and 10 o'clock, this service that you're in now. And so because you're our core people, you're, you're the ones who are kind of committed to coming and checking us out or being a part of this before we officially launch, I want to just put to you that if you're in this group, that maybe you'd consider coming to that 8.45 service to make space for people who are going to show up at 10. I think... I think, I'm not sure, but I think most people are going to show up at uh, our 10 o'clock service. And so if you could maybe come to that 80, 8.45 and then plan on serving at the 10 o'clock, that could be a real blessing on that first week or even those first couple of weeks as we get going. So that's just something I want to put across in front of your radar. The second thing kind of is in line with that, in, and that is to ask you to consider how you would participate in serving. Uh, we have teams of people, you're seeing blue shirts around today that are part of our First Impressions team. We have a great team working out with our kids' ministry. There was a team of people here at 7 a.m., actually just before 7 a.m., unloading and setting up all this equipment. And so if you have any interest in serving one of these teams, I would love to connect you with some of our team leads. I've got two of them over here. I've got Nick, who helps out with our setup and teardown. I've got Michael here with a blue shirt on. Michael, can you wave? There you go. Uh, he helps out with our safety and security team. Um, I've got Amy over here. Amy, you want to give us a wave? There you go. Um, she does our first impressions stuff. And then we've got Kim, who's out serving in our kids' ministry, if you have interest in any of those areas, I would love to connect you or you can just go straight to those guys and say, hey, how can I help out? That would be helpful. The third thing is we want to continue to encourage you to invite people to come along. Um, I know some of you are already doing this, but finding friends, neighbors, co-workers, people that you personally want to invite, there is a lot of power in a personal invitation. And there's even power in just sharing information whether that's on social media or the thing that's been actually helpful for me recently that Steph's educating me on is that if you need to get people information quickly, you can point them to a very easy to remember website and that is budakylechurch.com, okay? So Budakyle Church will take people to our webpage. They'll get information about who we are, where we gather, what we look like, all of that sort of stuff. So budakylechurch.com. 
So invitation is really important. And then the, th- the final thing, and the one that trumps all the other ones, is I want to ask you, as we're here at this critical moment, to continue to pray. I know some of you have already been praying a lot with us and committed to praying daily. I challenged this a few weeks ago to set some sort of reminder on our phone. I have one set at 12.07 to to pray for the campus because that reminds me of Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house. I believe that God can and will build this church, but that's just a reminder for me. I don't know what would work for you, but just asking you to continue to pray because we really do want to see God do great things. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to switch gears completely and talk about friendships this morning. So let's just pause and pray together this morning. We'll pray for the campus, and then also pray that God would speak to us. God, we thank you that we're gathered here together this morning. We thank you that we have the opportunity to worship and to worship freely, even in this movie theater. And God, again, we want to remind ourselves as we're in this place that is typically used for entertainment. God, we want to go beyond entertainment to meeting with you this morning. And so, Lord, we're praying that you would work in this space. And not just today, but God, in the weeks that come, work in the kids' rooms, work in this building to do a work in this community. God, we pray over the weeks and days, the days and weeks ahead, we pray that you would work in the Butikyle area, and that you would do a work of saving people in and through this church, that you would do a work of building people up in their faith because of the work that you're doing in this church. God, we need your wisdom, we need your grace, we need your guiding. Thank you that you hear us this morning. Thank you that you're with us this morning. And as we open your word and as we reflect on some truths that it tells us, and line those up with our own lives, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak very clearly to every person in this room, no matter where they're at in their faith journey. Whether they're somebody who is exploring faith right through to somebody who's been a follower of yours for decades, God, would you speak today? Thank you. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, have you ever stopped to consider the power that a friend has in your life. You see, a friend can be one of your greatest assets or a friend can be one of your greatest stumbling blocks. And in spite of the fact that a friend has so much influence and power in our life, oftentimes when it comes to friendships, we just kind of let them happen. We don't think a lot intentionally. We don't pay attention to our friendships, how they're forming up and how they're shaping I want to speak for a moment about friendships and, and give you a couple of examples of, from my own life and journey of how a friendship can be a blessing or it can be a curse. And so a couple of quick stories. Uh, the first one is this. A couple of years ago, I was riding my mountain bike and I fell off and landed quite heavily on this shoulder. And I got up and immediately knew something was wrong. And so after a long journey back uh, to my car and driving myself to the urgent care, I, uh, I went into an urgent care and was like, okay, they're going to take an x-ray. They're going to tell me it's a broken collarbone, separated shoulder, something. And then they'll tell me to go home and get some rest. Well, I went in, they x-rayed my shoulder and they started to freak out because it was in pieces, like completely in pieces. And uh, I think we have a picture of it somewhere. Um, 
There we go. Uh, so there is my collarbone. And so I had earlier that day, we had plans to go over to our friend's house for dinner that evening. Well, Liz had let them know, hey, Harley had an accident on his bike. Uh, we're not going to make it. We're going to be figuring things out. And the husband, a good friend of ours, said, hey, if he needs anything, let me know. Now, that means a lot from him because he has been a surgical tech in the Austin area for years and knows every single surgeon that there is to know. So I, they're telling me at the urgent care, they see this and they're like, hey, you've got to go to the emergency room. You're going to have to have surgery right away, all this stuff. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, what do I do? Well, I called my friend Joe. Um, and I said, hey, Joe, I don't know what to do. What should I do? He's like, hey, can you get a picture of the x-ray? It was this actual picture that I took. And I sent it to him. You can get rid of that now. It's a distraction. Um, uh, I sent it to Joe. And uh, it was this incredible experience because from there on, it was like I had this golden ticket. Because what happened was, uh, just a couple of minutes later, I'm sitting at the urgent care. I get a phone call from one of the top surgeons in Austin, him personally, not his assistant. He calls me up and he's like, hey, I've seen your x-ray. We can fix this. You don't need to worry about it. Just go home. We'll take care of it. Anyway, that's just the start of this story. I had the, like, you know, the golden ticket. It was this incredible experience because I had a friend who was this incredible help advisor and asset through this process and journey. It was incredible. The opposite story, I'll take you back a few more years. I was in ninth grade in high school and uh, I was starting out at a new school and uh, I didn't know a lot of kids. I was trying to form friendships, having a really hard time. And we went as a school on a, some sort of field trip to a uh, a musical, and there were all these schools there in this theater. And I sat next to this kid that I was kind of starting to be friends with, but I wasn't really sure about him. Anyway, he thought it was hilarious because he sat down with gravel in his pockets, as a ninth grader boy does, um, that he'd brought from the parking lot. And then as we were sitting way up high throughout the performance, he started to take little bits of gravel out of his pocket and just lob them by the way, kids, do not do this, uh, to lob them down on towards the stage in the theater. And so what happened was either that day or the next day, uh, he got called into the assistant principal's office. And then I got called in from sitting next to this guy and questioned about all this stuff that happened. I pretty quickly cottoned onto the idea that this guy was going to get me in trouble and that it wasn't a good idea to have a friendship with him. And I'll tell you these few things because I think that we need to realize friendships matter. The circles of friends that we have, those closest to us, really do matter. And so I truly believe that this is an important subject for us to think about friendship. And so we're going to do a two-week series on friendship today. And it's something that we all need God's grace and wisdom in. And I say all because I realize that often when we talk about friendships, we're like, hey, high school students, college students, you really need to think about your friendships. But it's true for all of us. Absolutely, it is important for middle school, high school, college, yes, because you're at a stage of life where friendships really are influential. And it really does help determine where your life's going to head. But if you're a young adult, friendship's also important for you because you're at an age and stage where companionship is important. You're looking for community. You're looking for a place of encouragement. And then as you get on further in life and you hit those middle years, at that age and stage, when you're in the busyness of life, of kids and schedule and picking up the groceries, what I've come to discover is that even in the midst of all that stuff, life can actually be pretty lonely. 
And so friendships, again, are really important in our middle years as just as much as they're important in our latter years. As we become empty nesters or as we become um, a little bit older and, and retiring or even retired, again, we're looking for friendship because we're looking for meaningful connections and support. So whatever age and stage you're at, this is an important subject. Friendship is important. One thing that harms our friendships is the fact that we live, I believe, in incredibly relationally challenging times. So to generalize, what I mean by that is that we live in a day and age where we are relationally a mile wide and an inch deep. We live in this highly individualistic culture where we you know, have a button that we press and we drive into our garage and we press another button and we shut out the world around us and then we get online with our friends. And so we can have all of these friends online and yet the fact is that we're still not really having any meaningful friendships. We live in a day and age that prides itself on its connectedness and yet people seem more lonely than they've ever been. God does not desire for us to be alone. God didn't design for us to be alone. In the beginning pages of the Bible, if you read just the start of what God tells us in His Word about humanity, one of the things that He says pretty early on is that it's not good. It's in the second chapter of Genesis. It is not good for man to be alone. We are designed for relationship. God is relational and has designed us to be in meaningful relationships. Let me say that again. That's really important. God is relational and has designed us to be in meaningful relationships. I want to unpack that statement just a little bit. What do I mean when I say God is relational? That sounds a little bit interesting and it is actually really interesting and mysterious because what God tells us, and if you've got any background in church, you will have heard this, but what God tells us about himself is that He is three persons in one. You've heard this, right? Like God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, and this is mysterious to us, what that means is that He has been for eternity past in relationship, perfect relationship with Himself. God is relational and in some ways has passed that on to us. We are special in creation in that we're made in God's image. And so we're designed to relate to God but we're also designed to relate to one another. And yet sin came into the world and has distorted those relationships. If you look into the commands in the Bible, if you look up like uh, the Ten Commandments or you look at Jesus when he was asked, what are the most important things that we need to know? They all have to do with relationship. It's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the things that God commands us because God designed us to be relational and those relationships have been impacted by sin as it came into the world. And in the midst of all of this, we've got to believe that God created and designed friendship and that God cares about our friendship. And he actually has a lot to say about friendship. And so I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible and open to Proverbs 13. And as you do that, you can look at that online. You can um, potentially just open a Bible or have a Bible app, but open to Proverbs 13. That's where we're going to be. And as you do that, I want you to think about the fact that there's many places we could turn to talk about friendships. 
We could look at Jesus' relationship with his disciples. We could look at uh, the relationship, the friendship that Jonathan and David had in the Old Testament. But what we're going to do for today is we're actually going to look at the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is full of these truths about friendships. And there's a really strong one here in uh, chapter 13, verse 20 that we're going to read together here. And this will be where we're parked today, our key verse. It says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise, I'll read it again, becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harms. This verse is highlighting a truth. It's drawing a circle around something really important for us, and that is the influence a friend has in our life. A more contemporary version of this verse that you may have heard in popular culture is this statement, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if we look back at this Proverbs, what we'll see there is that there's an exhortation and a caution. The exhortation is an encouragement to walk with the wise and the, the caution is this discouraging to, keeping, to keep us from the keeping company with fools. And so as we look at this, we need to consider the circles of friends that we place ourselves in and understand that that actually really matters because those friends will influence us. Now, as we start this series that we're calling Circles, it's probably good to just think for a moment about the fact that when we're talking about circles, there's many circles that we find ourselves in, right? Like you have the circle that is your family and you don't get to pick that circle, right? Somebody give me an amen. Amen, right? Like we don't pick who's in our family. And similarly, we don't pick really the circle of our neighbors. Now, sure, we may pick what apartment we live in or what house we live in, but you're, it's not till you move in that you realize that that person in your circle of neighbors likes to listen to music loudly at 2 a.m. or has a dog that thinks your front yard is a bathroom. Like those are things that you discover as you go. That's something that's prescribed to you. And similarly, uh, it's the same with your workmates. You are hired onto a job and you discover, oh, I'm in this circle of people. But we do have a choice when it comes to our friendship circle. And typically, the people who we choose to be around in that circle of friends have a higher degree of influence than perhaps any other circle in our lives. And so we need to be careful, we need to be cautious when it comes to choosing our friends. We need to ask ourselves, who are we going to let into that circle? Who is going to be a part of that? And who have we already let into that circle? Who's influencing us? I want you to think about that right now. Who is it that you have in that? Which of the Proverbs 13 category do your friends fit into? Are they the wise or are they the foolish? Let's just consider those two terms for a moment. Let's think about that term fool. What is a fool? If we were to grab this particular translation of the Bible, it's the ESV translation, and to look through the book of Proverbs, just the book of Proverbs, it's not a very big book, did you know that in there you would find the word fool, foolish, or fools, plural, 67 times? The book of Proverbs has a lot to say 
about what a fool is. And so we're not going to cover all of that, but if you want to do a study on what it means to be a fool or what you need to stay away from, the book of Proverbs is a great suggestion of where you could read. In fact, just a side note, the book of Proverbs is one great place to start reading scripture. If you want to be reading scripture, you can read the book of Proverbs a chapter a day and get through it in a month. And so you could do a chapter at lunchtime or when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, but it's a great way to start reading scripture. Proverbs, one chapter a day. But if you were to do that, you would actually learn a lot about what it means to be a fool. Uh, One of my favorite of those 67 references is actually in chapter 17, verse 12. Let me just read it for you. This is quite funny. Um, It says this, Let a man meet a she-bear, a mother bear, robbed of her cubs, rather than a fool in his folly. I don't know what you think about that, but basically what it's saying is, hey, you're safer around a mother bear who's lost her cubs than you are around a fool being a fool. Like you need to stay away from the fool. Another one that I really like is actually Proverbs 26. And in verse 4, it says one thing. And then you'll see in verse 5, it kind of changes its tune. It says this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to answer the fool. And then you read the next sentence. It says this, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You see what the Bible just did there? It's kind of ironic, but it's basically saying, hey, a fool is a person that you cannot win with. And so as we think about a fool, what we need to see is a fool is a person lacking wisdom, lacking depth of character. It's a person who is prone to making foolish, unwise choices. And the result, the end result of being a friend with a fool is suffering Harm. It's no small thing. It's suffering harm. That's what Proverbs 13 tells us. Sorry, 13:20 tells us. Harm comes from befriending a fool, and blessing comes when we steer clear of them. In fact, as I was reading Proverbs 13 this week and reading it a number of times, another scripture came to mind, which was Psalm chapter 1. If you're familiar, it's a beautiful psalm, but it starts with these words, which I want to read for you. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man, listen to this, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's some similarity between what's going on here. And if you read and study Psalm 1 verse 1, what you discover is there's this progression towards being a friend of a fool. It says there, the one who walks, you're going from walking to standing and then eventually sitting. It's this luring in to the company of a fool. So if we're not to be lured into friendship with the foolish, whom should we be befriending? Well, God encourages us to pursue friendship with the wise. More specifically, he doesn't say pursue friendship. He says, walk with the wise. What does it mean to walk with someone? Well, it means to go, to be in step with them, to go in the same direction as them. We are to walk with the wise. And uh, again, if we were to do a study of the book of Proverbs in this translation of the Bible, What we would find, and this is encouraging, is that the word wise or wisdom shows up a hundred times in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has more to say about the wise and wisdom than it does about the fool. And so again, if we want to know what it means to be wise, which hopefully we do, 
the book of Proverbs is this incredible resource for us. There's a lot that we could say about having wisdom and, and pursuing friends who are wise. But what seems maybe most important for me to point out this morning is found in chapter 9 of Proverbs. So I'm just going to turn over there. And this may be a passage that you're familiar with. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God connects for us the importance of wisdom and faith in Him. Fearing God means seeing Him, knowing Him, respecting Him, living for Him, having faith in Him. So there's this logical flow that we can follow here as we're thinking about what does it mean to be wise and what does it mean to have friendships. And so I'm going to back us up to where we started and say a few sentences. The first one is this, God is relational and has designed us to need friendship and relationship. God's just created us that way. We, we need connection. The second statement is this, God wants us to have relationship and friendship with friends who are wise. The third statement is this, the beginning of wisdom as God defines it is fearing Him. And so as we connect all of those dots, what we can say is a wise friend is a friend who fears God, someone who loves God. The friends that we need who are closest to us, having the most influence in our lives, are friends who are going to point us towards the God who loved us and created us. And so I ask you, do the people who have you the most influence in your life, and I ask the same question of myself, love God. If you're a believer in this room, in God, have you been intentional in seeking friends who share your faith? Proverbs 13 is an encouragement and a warning to be intentional about who we surround ourselves with, who is closest to us. I love that word intentional, by the way. If we were to look it up in a dictionary, what that word means is to do something on purpose, to be deliberate, to do something by design. God is never, hear this, unintentional. He's always intentional. And we are often unintentional in life. We're often finding ourselves and like, oh, okay, I didn't realize I did that. I didn't realize that happened. And this is true even of friendships. I said this earlier on, like boats tossed by waves on the ocean, sometimes we just kind of meander our way through life and through friendships. A number of years ago, I worked specifically with high school students. And every year we would do this banquet for our seniors who are graduating. And we would have our senior pastor come in and speak to them. And he was an awesome guy to come and speak to these guys because he started in ministry doing college ministry at Texas A&M. And so he would come in and speak to these kids. And one of the things that he would say every year, and he would say emphatically, was this. He would say, don't pick the first friends that come along. One of his pieces of advice to these kids as they left home and the security of their church family, he would say, do not pick the first friends that come along. The reason he would say that is that in his years and experience in college ministry, he had seen train wreck after train wreck after train wreck of kid who had left, gone to college, picked up the first friends that showed their face, and a couple of years later 
were in tears as he was sitting there counseling them through what influence those guys had had on, it, on their lives. Do not pick the first friends that come along. So that leads us to a pretty good question, which is, okay, well, how do we pick friendships? Like when it comes to friends, what should we do? How do we find these sort of friends that we're talking about, these wise friends that are going to be a good influence in our lives? Well, I'm going to speak about four different areas or ways that we should think about this, but this is not any sort of magic formula. These are just a few words to kind of help and prod and encourage us as we think about friendships. And the first of those is posture. We need to think about our posture when it comes to friends. There's an old saying, and it's a true saying, which is to be a friend, you've, to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. We've got to think about our posture. Are we the type of people that people want to be friends with? People like to be friends with people who possess some of the qualities that God is actually working out and bringing out in our lives. You see, every Christian is a work in progress. When you say, God, I want to follow you, my life is yours, God does something pretty awesome. He sends His Holy Spirit to come and live with us, to guide us and to lead us. And one of the things that happens is we start to produce a thing, and this is a sermon for another day, but a thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, these are listed out in Galatians 5. Gentleness, kindness, self-control. These these are the sort of things that people want to be friends with, people who have that. And so as we say, God, I want to honor you. I want to live for you. Would you continue your good work in my life? As we pray that prayer and allow God to change us to look more like Jesus, we are going to, by nature, become people that people want to be friends with. We need to be open to God's work in our life because as we do that, our posture will change. We'll be the type of people that people want to be friends with. So posture is really important. The second thing that's important is to think about partnership. You see, friendships are often forged when there's key areas of connection. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said this, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. That's where a friendship is often found. Uh, friendships blossom in con- common ground. When we find something that we say, oh, you and I, we're partners in this because we've had this same experience or we have this same interest or we have this same thing about us in our lives. So this can come in all sorts of different forms. It can be a hobby that you share. It can be a stage of life. It can be, oh, we grew up in the same town. We know some of the same people. This is how friendships are often formed through partnership. But it'd be a miss for me to say that some of my best friendships in life and some of the most influential and helpful ones have been with things that people would typically look at me and the friend and say, they have nothing in common. Why are they friends? But what they don't know is the one thing that we have in common that is, is perhaps better than anything else is the fact that we both have a love for Jesus and for His church. Our faith is the common ground where that friendship is formed. And so I want to encourage you as you think about where do you have these areas of connection? Yes, you may, you know, be in a mountain biking club and make some friends through that. Or you may, you know, have a mums group or whatever it may be. But perhaps I'd suggest to you that this place here gives us a common ground because we are together because of the grace and the gospel of Jesus. So our partnerships are important to consider. A third thing to consider is our placement. Where are we looking for friends? When it comes to friendships, where are we looking? And I put to you that the prime place to look for friends is right here in a church family. 
or perhaps in a small group, a life group. If you're a student in the youth ministry or maybe a campus ministry that's a part of your school campus, these are the sort of places that we should be looking for friendships. I pray that this Butikyle campus would be fertile ground for friendships. I hope that some of you in this room would connect with each other and become lifelong friends. That we would look across this room and see deep connections and love and influence for the gospel and for God's kingdom that would happen because we are placing ourselves in this place and saying, I want to develop relationships and friendships. The fourth and final suggestion that I have for you as you ask this question of how do I form friendships is prayer. And I don't just add this on as, oh yeah, you should pray about it. I add this on because I have personally seen answers to prayer in this area. I can think of three key times in my own life where I've seen this happen. Once was when I was that ninth grade student. Another was when I was just heading out of college. Another was when Liz and I were young with uh, young children. And in each of those stages, we were at a spot where we're like, man, we need friends right now. We need help. We need positive influences in our lives. And we stopped and prayed and saw God do something amazing. This is true for our son Trafford as well. When we moved to Scotland, that transition for him was really hard. And there were a number of tearful nights and we, we said, hey, bub, we're going to pray about this. We saw, he saw God answer that prayer. God answers prayer because God cares about our friendship. We already said that. First Peter 5 is so good on this, right? That's that verse that says, cast all your cares on God, not because he hears them, which he does, but because he cares for you. How good is that? God cares about us. He cares about our friendships and we can tell him, God, I feel lonely. God, I feel like I need support right now. He hears those prayers. He answers those prayers. We must pray about our friendships. Now, I could come to this moment and be like, all right, let's tie a bow on it. Week one, friendships, we're done. But there's a couple of problems with that. You see, I've pretty quickly glossed over a couple of major things that need addressing here. And so I'm going to circle back around now and undo that bow and talk about a couple of messy things that we need to deal with here. The first of those is I want to acknowledge with you that there may be a tension that you're feeling right now with what I've shared, especially if you're a Christian in this room. And that's because as I've been speaking, there's this kind of tug of war going on in your heart. You see, on one side, you sense the need for good and godly friends helping you to navigate life because you know life is hard. There's pitfalls in life and you're like, yeah, I need godly friends. I need good influences in my life. And so as I've been saying these things, you're like, amen, I agree with you. But at the same time, on the other side, pulling at you is this thought and this feeling that, hey, don't I need to have friends who are beyond the church, like beyond the walls of the church? you realize that God can use friendships for you to be an influence of good for other people in their lives. And so as you think about that, there's this tension that is rising and you're like, even Jesus, wasn't he a friend of sinners? Aren't I meant to be like him? Like, what does that look like? Not like you're walking around saying, oh, well, there's a sinner. I'm going to be friends with them. Like, but you know what I'm talking about here. Shouldn't we be befriending those who do not yet know God? Now, I want to answer that in a couple of ways. The first thing is to just simply say, yes, we should. And come back next week because that's exactly what we're talking about next week. You see, this week we're talking about the influence that friends have on us. Next week we're talking about the influence we can have on others. But I say that with a second note. And the second note is this. 
It doesn't, just because I said yes to that question, doesn't change the fact that this week's message is true, that we need to be very careful and intentional about who is in our inner circle, who is closest to us, influencing us. We really do need to consider, are they wise? Are they pointing me towards God? Are they in my best interest? Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have layers of friendships and circles of people that we're praying for and influencing for the gospel. We will talk about that next week. The second thing that I want to bring to your attention that needs a little bit of resolving is the fact that as I've been talking about friendship, some of you probably feel rather stuck in your friendships. Maybe you have some friendships that are maybe a little detrimental or even if you're honest, destructive And you're like, yeah, I believe what you're saying, Harley, but I'm over here on this set of train tracks and you're talking about having godly, good influence friends and that's over here on this set of train tracks and I don't know how to go from here to here. here. Like that, it feels like there's this chasm between those two realities and you feel overwhelmed by that. Well, firstly, I'd say to that, there is hope. You see, God is in the business of crossing uncrossable chasms. That's what the gospel is. Like we are in this room today because God crossed an uncrossable chasm. He came into this world to die for our sins. That made us right with God. Like all of that is a story of a miracle and God can do a miracle in our friendships as well. But as we think about that reality and the reality of saying, okay, if I move from here over to here and, and, and push away from these friends, I may be alone. I may be rejected. I may feel like I'm suffering. I'd like to just point out to you that when God did come, when Jesus came and lived among us, He experienced that feeling. In fact, when He was dying for us on the cross, He was abandoned by most of His friends. He knows what it feels like to be alone. I love this about Jesus. I love that he identifies with how we feel. He's not some deity just sitting up in high heaven. No, he understands loneliness. And so I want to encourage you to prayerfully move away from those unhelpful relationships. And to, as you do that, press into God, press into prayer, press into Christian community. And know that Jesus understands your loneliness. Maybe you'll take my words for this and you'll push away from those friends. And two weeks from now, it's a Friday night or a Saturday night and you're sitting all alone because you've pushed away from those friends. Know that in that loneliness, God is with you. He is your friend. He is your companion and He loves you. Dig deep into your friendship with God. Proverbs 18 verse 24 is beautiful. It says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I believe that verse has two meanings. It means that, yes, there are some awesome friends out there, but I think this is a verse foreshadowing Jesus, pointing us towards Jesus saying, Hey, there is a friend that sticks closer than any other person. He lives in you and with you. And He can satisfy your longings for relationship. Press into Him. The third issue that I think needs resolving is the fact that as I've addressed this topic, for some of you maybe in this room, it's opened a sore wound. And what I mean by that is that some of you maybe have made unwise choices when it comes to friendship. Maybe you're reflecting as I've been speaking on bad friendships bad influences that people have been in your life, bad choices that you've made. 
Or maybe you're reflecting on the fact that you've been the person doing the influence in a bad way. And there's all this regret and shame and guilt that is heaping upon you. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to hear just one more thing. If you hear one more thing today, that you would hear this. God's grace is sufficient for any and all of your shortcomings. You can confess your pain. You can confess your hurt. You can confess your shortcomings to Him. And you can let it go at the cross. One of my favorite little old books is a book called Pilgrim's Progress. And in that book, there's this beautiful picture. It's an allegory, a word picture, where the main character walks up to the cross. And as he does that, he's carrying this burden. And as he looks at the cross, all of a sudden, this burden he's been carrying falls from his shoulders. And it it gives me goosebumps talking about it. It it like rolls down the hill into an abyss, never to be seen again. That is a picture of the grace and the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. And He offers that to all of us. And so today, if you're sitting in a place of shame, don't carry it any longer. Deal with it. Give it to God. Give your regrets. Give your mistakes to Him. He can take them all. So as we do think about these things and draw this to a close, what do I pray that we all walk out of here with today? Well, one is a great, deep, great sense of gratitude towards God for His goodness. He is so good. Just the fact that we can come to Him with our mistakes and allow that freedom to happen, how good is that? The fact that He cares about our friendships, there's so much that we can be thankful to God. There should be a joy in our heart as we think about God and His goodness. Second to that, I pray that we would have a desire for God to lead us and to bless us in every detail of our lives even especially today in our friendship. And that's where I'd like to say, well, we're all in such different places. As I look across this room, and I can see you a little bit better now, my eyes are getting used to it. But as I look across this room, there is such diversity here. I don't assume to know what your circles of friendship and life look like, but God knows. And so I'm praying that as we have this time of response now, that you would have a sense of, this is what God's calling me to. He's calling me to lean into this friendship. He's calling me to lean out of this friendship or to do this thing. I don't know what He's going to say to you, but I want to ask you to be open to Him speaking speaking to you today. Maybe it's to simply just pray and to ask God to give you a friendship. Maybe you're feeling lonely right now. God hears. God will answer. God will work across this room. Let's remember though, that God wants us to really consider the importance of friendships because they are so influential in our lives. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for these few moments that we've had together today to consider...